0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club. Sitting in
1: here on the Tour Coach Podcast with Colt Nose. Colt, I know you're busy. Lots of media obligations now. Thanks for sitting in with me here on the Tour Coach Podcast.
2: Tony, I'm always happy to make time for you.
1: Uh Oh, that flattery gets you everywhere with me. I mean, you know, know, it's broken down, teaching pros. Obviously, long career as a player. One, you know, U.S. Amateur, Pub Links, two wins, I believe, on the Nationwide Tour, if I'm correct. Uh, And played on the PGA Tour. And now you retired from golf, really because of injury, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, you battled injuries a lot, especially towards the end of your career.
2: Yeah, my last two seasons, you know, I had two surgeries on my left hand which probably resulted from the way I swung in the golf club. I actually learned how through Mark Blackburn, I actually learned how to swing the golf club properly now, and I actually have no pain, which is very, very nice. But, yeah, for the most part,
1: I mean, my my career definitely ended because of my left hand and the surgeries I had on it. What I wanted to talk to you about today is I always like, as a teacher, you know, Colt, I teach a lot of young guys coming up, you know, through the years, guys that go from junior golf to college and to the tour and obviously have some guys that have been out there. But I always like to pick brains of folks that have, been out there, had success coming up through college, a lot of success as an amateur, played professional, and then when they're done, kind of pick their brain and figure out like, hey, if you had things to do over again, like if you look back as a player, you know, are there things that you would change about how you came up or what you did or you know, how you worked on your game, those types of things? I mean, for me, I don't think I was ever going to be able to gain 40 yards. You know, I
2: was one of the shortest guys out there, but I made my money and you know, succeeded in other ways. I was a great putter and I was a great, you know, long, long ironed hybrid player. And that's kind of what I had. I had to be good or else I was never going to make it on tour. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, looking back, like maybe I I got in the gym and focused more on fitness and stuff. I'm a bigger guy, but I mean, that's easy to say now. But at the same time, say I went and lost 30 pounds and got stronger. What happens to my golf swing? It might not, you know, I might struggle. I don't know but I knew what I was doing was keeping me on tour. There's always things you wish you'd, you did differently, but I just think the game has evolved a lot in the last 10 years, and it's kind of made guys like me irrelevant, which sucks, but at the same time, it's kind of how sports work. I mean, all sports evolve over time. Right. Things change, which, you know, that's, that's great. I feel like some of the artistry has been taken out of golf, which I don't like. You know, mm-hmm. I, I said this on a podcast yesterday. I said, imagine if, Corey Pavin and Justin Leonard came out right now, coming out of college. They wouldn't have a job. <laughs> right? Know? I mean, the way they play golf, I mean, it was beautiful. And they were very, very successful. They're major champions. But they couldn't, they couldn't compete nowadays. I mean, you can't give up 100 yards to a guy and expect no. to beat him. It's
1: just not possible. But it also seems like, you know, it used to be when you would talk about players, you'd say, oh, well, this guy doesn't hit it very far, but he's a great wedge player, great chipper, great putter. Now the guys that bomb it, I mean, they're great wedge players, chippers and putters, too. It's not like because a guy and, hits it far now, he can't chip and putt. <laughs> and that's one thing I don't think Bryson gets enough credit
2: for. You know, like all the talk about Bryson is how far he it, But he's a top ten putter on the PGA Tour. Like I'm like, this guy's really good at a lot of things. At Winslet, yeah. when he won, all that was talked about was how far he it, But yet he was seventh in driving distance that week. So there were six guys that hit it further than him that week. But he was number two in putting and scrambling. I'm like, he did a lot of other things that week to win other than just hit it far.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Andy Ogletree played in the group in front of him the first two rounds at Wingfoot, And so I was walking some of that and watching him where he hit it. And everybody talked about how far he hit it, which he did hit it far. I'm not saying it wasn't far. But to me, was amazed at how he pitched and wedged the ball and then lag putted for on some of those greens where you'd get 50, 60 feet long run through, like how he handled those. Like to me, that was the difference between how he played and, you know, some of the other guys the rest of that week. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, the maximum
2: amount of times you can hit the driver is 14, right? Mm-hmm. And you're shooting 65 to 70. So you're looking at, I mean, 50 other shots that matter. I mean, the putting is what it comes down to. And yeah. for him, I mean, he puts it unbelievable with, uh, you know, the shaft up the arm. He's very scientific with his putting and all that. He doesn't get near enough credit for that. I mean, yeah, the driver's a huge deal. But at the end of the day, the, the most amount of strokes is going you're going to use the driver is
1: 14. So there's right. a lot of other things good he does point. very, very well. You touched on it. Like, it's hard for me. Like, I'll get college kids. I've got a couple college kids that are really good players, play at big schools, but don't hit it very far. Right? And it's harder nowadays than it used to be even five years ago to say, oh, well, if you just become a great chipper and a great wedge player, you can figure out. Because, like you said, it is getting to the point where if you don't hit it a certain distance, I mean, it's, you know, the game is becoming one-dimensional, and it does kind of leave out some of the, you know, you said artistry, like where you teach kids that there's a bunch of different ways to get it done and to find your strength and figure out how to beat people with what you do well. The way the game's gone certainly has changed that, and it seems like most teachers, and not saying I'm any different, like you're focusing on getting young folks in the gym and learning how to hit it further and further. It's kind of what you yeah. have to do.
2: I think all the teachers nowadays – and, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, when you take a young kid and you and you bring him in and start teaching him, I mean, the number one goal is let's hit it far and we'll worry yeah. about hitting it straight later. Like, yeah. it's just, like, let's let's create as much speed as we can and then we'll figure out the rest later on. I would love to talk to college coaches and see if, like, recruiting has changed over the years. Like, okay, here's a guy that plays pretty good but he doesn't hit it very far. Should we bring him on our team? Yeah. Because, in my mind, you're not going to see any college kids nowadays that come out Right out of school, onto the Corn Prairie Tour and the PJ tour that play the golf the way I did. But right. no, that does no. I mean they all they all fly at three hundred yards and it's just that's how the game is now.
1: There's no, no for- kids that work their way around the golf course anymore. Yeah, and don't you think that like though I mean and, and I mean I don't want to be one of those guys that sits around saying the beer used to be colder and cheaper back when I was a kid. but, <laughs> but you know, I mean to me there were some parts of that that were more fun from a teaching and coaching and playing where, like, you'd go play against a guy. You'd you'd play with two or three people, and they all had different strengths and they all had different ways to shoot it, you know, to play a great round of golf or win a golf tournament. I mean, it it isn't that way as much anymore. I mean, now you go out there, you can look at the golf course, and you're like, okay, well, these ten guys, the way they're hitting it and and how they do I mean, they're most likely they're going to have a chance to win the golf tournament. It's not that hard to me anymore to pick five or six guys each week and have a real good chance of them being up there in the tour, in the
2: tour event. I totally agree with you. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge golf fan. I watch every yeah. single tournament. If I'm not working it, I still watch every single golf tournament. And I can, I'm can i the same way. I can tell you, going into this week at Riviera, there's not going to be a short hitter that wins that golf tournament. It's just no. not going to happen. I mean, every single year you get Dustin Johnson, you get Bubba Watson, J.B. Holmes, Keegan Bradley, all these bombers up on that leaderboard every single year. And there's certain yep. golf courses that are like that. Now there's a handful of golf tournaments every year that the short guy compete on. You know, you Kill got your Harbor, you got your Harbor Towns, you got your Colonial. But you go to like, I remember I was, I think I was 50th on the FedEx Cup in 2016 heading into the playoffs. Okay. And the, and the And the playoff events were Best Page Black, then TPC Boston, and Crooked Stick. Like you couldn't have more bombers golf courses. And Andy who yeah. who is very high up on the PGA Tour, looked at me and started laughing. Yeah, it's been a good year, good year for you. And I, I went, missed cut, missed cut, and finished 72 on the on the points list and didn't even make it to crooked stick. But it was like, I mean, there's no possible way a guy that plays golf the way I do can compete at Bethany's class. You just can't.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think from an instruction, and I know Mark does a lot of this as well, it's like with these young players, you get them in the gym and with people that are really good at what they do, and you – you know, if they're really serious about doing it nowadays, they have to address that early and learn how to hit it far early. Or they're, I mean, there's just such a, such a low ceiling on what they can do past, you know, past a certain point.
2: Yeah. But like Tony, I'd be interested to hear your thought. Like for me, you know, I'm five foot eight. I'm obviously Mm -hmm. a bigger guy. Like I'm never going to gain 40 yards no matter what I Uh do. So like, which is unfortunate because I'm very, very good at a lot of things in the game of golf. I'm not good at hitting it far. so, That's why I feel like it kind of sucks because there's going to be a lot of kids growing up that are very, very talented around the greens and stuff like that. But it doesn't matter because they can't fly the ball 300 yards, and I feel like they don't have the opportunity to succeed on the PGA Tour
1: with the way things have have changed over the years. I teach a kid, one in particular, really good player, college player. I mean, he literally chips it and putts it as good as most of the tour players I teach. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and you know he is getting stronger and all that stuff. But I mean, like to say he's going to hit it three hundred five, it isn't going to happen, right? Yeah. And that to me is sad. Like because like here's like here's a guy that loves the game too, and I mean has a great personality. I mean, like we need we we also need people that are you know that love the game and aren't just robots. You know, coming along too. I mean, we don't need just everybody to be the same. I don't know that that's good for the long term golf either for the growth of the game is if everybody just can hit at 350 and everybody swing, everybody looks the same and hits it the same. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, at some point, I mean, if it's going to be
2: everybody hits at 350, I mean, why even have a maintenance crew to mow the fairways, just make it all rough and let's just, just let it go. I mean, it's yeah. not going to matter, but it is like, it's sad for guys like that because there is other ways to play the game. and be very, very successful, but to get on the PGA tour, you know, you got to go through the corn Ferry sewer now, and that's even more of a bomber's paradise, in my opinion, than the PGA Tour. I mean, Don't you just he... go out there and smash it. There's no rough. And you just chip it up on the greens
1: and you make a lot of money and do that. And you get out on the PGA Tour. It's just changed so much. And Yeah. I think it's way easier. Like, I'll use a guy I teach. Like, Robbie Shelton isn't the longest guy. Mm-hmm. Right? But he hits it far enough. But, like, it was, in my opinion, it was harder for him to get off the Corn Ferry Tour than it was to stay on the PGA Tour because the golf courses are harder and he hits it far enough, but where it's no rough, wide open, and you can just bomb at three fifty, A guy like that has, a, I mean, he won a couple times, obviously. But, like, it takes, I mean, to me, that's it's harder for that guy to get to the tour than it is to stay on the tour at times. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's, I'm playing out there. I mean, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour is a great tour, but the mm-hmm.
2: golf courses are nothing like they are on the PGA Tour. I mean, like you said, they're wide open. They don't really care about, I mean, they care about having a Corn Ferry Tour event, but they don't get it ready to make right. it very difficult or anything like that. I mean, there's no rough or anything. So you just send it down there. It's a wedge and a putter contest. I mean, it's like if you're, if you're back there playing from 280, which I don't even think 280 is even relevant nowadays. Like you said, Robbie Shelton's not long. I'm guessing he probably still averages 290. Yeah, the I mean, he the still team. hits it over three, right? Or at oh, great. Right? So he yeah. hits it over 300 yards. I mean, that's what's nuts. I think when I came on tour in 2009, I think there was 21 guys that averaged over 300. Hmm. And now it's, God, you probably know the number. I mean, it's probably over... 80. Yeah, it's a a bunch. Yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy. I think the average ball speed when I came on tour, and this is just, I mean, this is 13 years ago. The average ball speed was probably like 164,
1: 165, and now it's 175. Crazy. It's crazy, and they they keep going up. Oh, yeah, and it's going to continue. It ain't going to stop. Lucas Glover and I were talking about this one day, and he was saying, you know, when he came out on tour, he was one of the longer guys. Mm -hmm. Right? You know? And always been a good driver of the golf ball. Well, like now, he's middle of the pack, and he hits it further than he did when he came out. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like one thing, like when I talk
2: to guys now when I go out and do TV and stuff, like I think it's a compliment, but at the same time, they're like, it's surprising how long you made it out here. And yeah, I'm just like, well, it is a compliment. Um, thank you, I think. I think. Yeah, no, it is. But, I mean, I just always looked at it as a challenge and something I embraced. Like I I knew what I was good at, and I knew there were certain weeks. I was never going to win forty five, but I could play well there every week. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one of those places where I embrace hitting hybrids and long irons and stuff like that. That's part of my game. I mean, and I I think I have a better chance there than going to a place that's an absolute wedge fest and guys are going to drive it up there fifty yards from the green on every hole. Yeah. Um But it's just you know I love playing more than anything. But at the same time, I knew my my time had come and passed, and there were just certain golf courses I couldn't compete on anymore. And it it is kind of sad because. Like, places like TPC Scottsdale, which I love. Right. These guys, I mean, there's... And you watch you watch it on TV. There is... They totally disregard the rough. They don't care. <laughs> which, it's, it just shocked me, because I always thought hitting it straight was a skill. <laughs> and yeah. now, it's oh. like, now it's like, you know what? I'm going to hit it up there as far as I can, and I can hit it close from 110 yards out of the rough and stop it, because the greens aren't crazy firm, and I'm going to beat the guy that's playing from 170 in the fairway nonstop, which... I agree with, but I just hate that hitting it in that
1: fairway, which is supposed to be a reward, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, you know, when you take the majors and they do grow, the everybody talks about, like, making these golf courses longer and longer. To me, that does nothing because everybody, the long guy still has a huge advantage. The guy hits a I, 350.
2: I use two examples when I when everybody talks about the length, okay? We had the, the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. Which was supposed to be so brutal, so mm-hmm. long, 7,700 yards. Brooks kept the shoots 18 under par. Because right. the fairways were 50 yards wide. It didn't matter. Okay? And then you go to Medina for a FedEx Cup playoff event, which, once again, everybody thought was going to be so brutal, so hard. Justin Thomas shot 25 under par. Yeah. Like, it. And then the week following the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills was Travelers, but 6,800 yards and 12 under yes. par wins there. Right. Because they had rough, green for bouncy. That's the only way you can. You can contain these guys with firmness. And I, I think you would probably agree. But oh, the, yeah. If, if they lose control once the ball hits the ground, they tend to struggle. Correct. If there's some rough that's penalized, like if you can make, and now I know that every week you can't make the greens firm. I mean, Mother Nature, yeah, you can't control it. For sure. But if you can get the greens to bounce, it totally changes everything for these guys. You look at what was the place they had BMW at last year? Olympia Fields, right, in Illinois. Four hundred under par. John Rahman, Justin Dustin Johnson are in a playoff because the place was concrete. Correct. And I love seeing that because you actually have to think your way around the golf course. And you're like, okay, we got one sixty. Well, a lot of places it's one sixty. Okay, perfect. We're flying at one sixty. There, it's like, okay, we got to fly at one fifty one. Bounce and you know, long's no good. Short's no good. We got we got to think our way around, which is yeah. something that doesn't happen all the time on the PGA tour. And that's how you challenge that. I mean, a place like Harbour Town, no matter you can't make it a yard longer. It's stretched out as possible as it and it still gives players hell every
1: single year. Yeah. And you know, like to me, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. Like, you know <laughs> I, mean, I agree with you. Right? Like, but yeah. yet every but they keep going the longer and longer and longer. And like that does to me doesn't solve the equation at all. Whereas it, it, like to me it's so obvious, especially when you watch some of the majors and you, you look at, like well if they just when they get it firm and really baked out. And there's just – it doesn't even – if you get it real firm to me, you don't even have to have rough that's crazy long to where they got to hack it out. They're still going to totally yeah. you Yeah.
2: And, and if you look at all the – like, when's the last time a new golf course was built that resembles a Harbor Town? Yeah, I, I mean, can't think it, of one. Yeah, exactly. There's not – and I'm like, look at this place. This place is special. Like, mm-hmm. it's so different than anything we play on the PGA Tour. And I think that's why not only is it the week after the Masters, but it draws such a great field because it's so different. And it's so much fun for guys to play like – It's not about hitting the fairway in Harbor Town, it's about hitting the right part of the fairway. Like you can't just blow it up there and you're like, Oh cool, I hit another fairway. But now there's a tree overhanging and I gotta hook something or fade something around it. Like, I just love when you you make players think. Like, I I just think it's it's something that's been taken out of the game and I feel like it's unfortunate because there's a guy like I said I brought up Justin Leonard earlier, like no one managed their game and thought their way around the golf course better than he did. Right. And here's a guy who probably is going to be a Hall of Famer? I would imagine at one point. I mean, he's won. He's won a player's a major championship and won how many ever times. And yeah. if he was in today's game, he would be irrelevant. He'd be a guy mm-hmm. trying to keep trying to fight to keep his card every year. Yeah, and he was a top ten
1: player in the world in the nineties. Shows you how much the games changed. Exactly. So you were around a long time. That doesn't mean you're old. I mean, but uh, <laughs> but obviously, and you ended up you work with you did a lot of work still work with Mark. How have you seen, it as a guy that tried to, you know, as you were out there and you're working and you're always trying to get better, how has the instruction changed from your eyes over the years that you've played the game? I always like to ask guys that. Too. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's, it's it's crazy. You know, I grew up working with Randy Smith, who's one of the all-time yep. greats. And Legend. He's the old-school guy. You know, he was never any technology, never any camera or anything like that. It was just, you know, he was a guy that, you know, the, the shot created the golf swing compared to let's try to swing two degrees out, four degrees up, stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. whenever you were struggling with like Randy Smith, it was okay, let's go out there and work the golf ball and just sort it out. Now it's like you get on you get on all this three D motion track band, all this, which is awesome stuff. It's really, really cool. And I think, you know, when I first started I started golf late, I was thirteen years old. But I mean that was nineteen ninety eight. Back then it was, you know, we were all about making a square face all that, it was just all about hitting it straight. Now, you see these guys like Dustin Johnson got criticized when he came out about having such a shut face and all this, and I think that's the future, in my opinion. You might disagree, but like you look at guys like Victor Hovland and stuff like that, like, I want a bowed left wrist, I want the club face shut, and I want to rotate my body as hard as possible because the club face is so much more stable, and under pressure,
1: I think that's the way to play golf. I agree 100% with you. I think that when you look at the best players out there, to me, the guys that, I mean, any we put this up, there's going to be a gazillion people on the internet point out a bunch of exceptions. But, you know, like you look at really good players, to me, I mean, their club face is super stable going through the ball, you mm-hmm. know, and they have the ability to create, being able to really, you know, use their pivot and use their body to create that. And then they're able to deliver that club with not a lot of, you know, not a lot of Motion going through there, and I think they just they hit it harder, and it doesn't really curve, and it just kind of goes wherever the hell they're pointing at the time.
2: Yeah, you look at guys like two of the greatest to ever play the game, Phil Mickelson and BJC, You know, you you break down their swing in slow motion, you almost see you know their bottom mm-hmm. hand come off the club after right impact because they're using so much hands. And nowadays, you don't see that. And like in my opinion, I think one of the best ball strikers on the PGA tour is Victor Hovland. I agree, He's a young kid and. You look at that club face through impact, it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. It is so stable. It is unbelievable, and that's why he might not be a Hall of Famer or win 100 times, but i tell you this. He ain't never going to lose that PGA Tour card. He's no, going to be a factor every year because nothing can go wrong.
1: Don't you think that's a recipe to make a load of money on the PGA Tour?
2: <laughs> it is. This is a guy. He has got a. He, he sucks at chipping. He admits it. But it doesn't matter because he hits it so damn good. He might miss a couple of cuts here and there. But for the yeah. most part, this guy is gonna be just an absolute ATM because of the way yeah. he swings the golf club. And when I when I first started, I mean the bowed left wrist was kinda of like frowned upon. Like right. That wasn't something you were in. It was more of a cup wrist and, you know, a square club face. And now it's like, Okay, these young kids, let's bow the shit out of that left wrist, get the club face shut, and you just use your body to square the face. Yeah. And I and, and I mean That's just how it is.
1: No question. I think one of the real testaments to teachers, too, is like you take a guy like Randy Smith, and I I mean, Randy's, I mean, he's a legend, and you look at how he's been able to still teach players that are good through the ages. Like, you know, he's got players out there now that are really good, right? I mean, I think that's a testament to how great a teacher he is, is because I think I think on the teaching side, just like it's hard as a player to evolve and to adapt. I mean, sometimes it's it's hard as a teacher to to say, hey, maybe we need to do a little more of this tech, or maybe we need to, you know, Randy's figured out he's got to use some tech because all the kids know how to mm-hmm. use that stuff,
2: you know? For sure. And I think there's some teachers that if you took the technology away, they wouldn't know what the hell they're talking about. Thousand and that's one thing I think that, makes Randy so great. I mean, he's got Scotty Scheffler out there on mm-hmm. tour. He's got Ryan Palmer out there on tour. And I said, you know, Jordan Spieth's starting to play better golf now, but Jordan's a good buddy of mine. And I've said it to him before. Like, and I think Cameron McCormick's a great teacher, but when things are going wrong, maybe you go just spend a day with someone else. Like he did with Butch Harmon. Yeah. But I thought Randy Smith would be perfect for Jordan Spieth because, you know, has a little bit of an unorthodox swing, you know, the chicken wing and all this. But Randy could just get all those technical thoughts out. Yeah. I was like, just go spend the day with Randy on the range. No one will know. He's right there in Dallas. And just get some feel back. Get some of the artistry back in your game because that's what made Jordan Spieth great. I thought when he was struggling, it would be a perfect fit. Now he's back to playing good golf, which is very, very nice to see.
1: But yeah, How good is that to see? It's, I mean, and it back-to-back weeks, so it wasn't just like it was a – a pop-up, he was in contention. You know, it was back-to-back weeks, and everything seems to be pointing that he's playing that he's back to playing his type of golf.
2: It is, and I, I say it all the time. I'm like, Jordan Spieth is good for the game of golf. There's no doubt about that. I mean, everyone loves him. I mean, it was very, very obvious to me at Phoenix, at the Wastemans of Phoenix. When I went out there on Sunday to support him. You know, he tees off there 5,000 fans, and everybody was following that last group. And yeah. there was no secret who everyone was rooting for. Oh, sure. it was, I mean, it was a star-studded field, but they were rooting for Jordan Speak. And I think, even though there was no fans at Pebble, I think it was kind of the same way at Pebble Beach. I mean, everyone wants to see this kid succeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gets he gets beat up in the media, and, and you know, his game gets picked apart and all this. He could shop right now, Tony, and he's a Hall of Famer. Thousand, you're but,
1: exactly right, yeah. I
2: mean, and he's 27 years old. I'm like, we got to give this kid a little bit of a break. I mean, he was a Hall of Famer at 24. I mean, he mm-hmm. won three major championships and eleven times on the PGA Tour. Like the kid's done unbelievable things, and then they just absolutely just tear him apart in the media, which I feel like kind of unfair. I mean, can you imagine being twenty-four years old and having the world at your fingertips and being one of the most famous people on the on the planet? Like it, it would probably be kind of hard to
1: yeah, hard to handle. I'm the same way with the you know. There's obviously some really good with social media, and I can't say that it. it Parts, some of it doesn't help my business. But, like, you you sit there and you read some of the things that people say about, yeah, I mean, there's tons of players and their teachers and their coaches. And you're like, oh, sometimes after, like, six classes of wine, I just want to, like, go on and uh, go, like, dude, like, you've never taught anybody – that's won a junior club championship. Why the hell are you gonna sit there and criticize something a tour player and his teacher have done? I mean, you didn't sit in on the lesson. You don't know what the hell's going on. It's it's a joke. And that's sorry, I got on my soapbox a little bit. That thing pisses me off on social media. Though.
2: Let me tell you this one. This is this is great. This happened Sunday night. So I'm flying home from Pebble Beach, and Kevin Stroman is on the same flight as me. And we're mm-hmm. sitting in baggage. We're sitting in baggage claim, and this guy comes up to us. He's like, "Hey guys, you know how's it going? Love watching you know, all this." He goes, what's wrong with Jordan Spieth? And I'm like, what, are you? And I'm like what, do you, what do you mean? He goes, I just don't think he's a closer. I don't think he has it in him. And I go, sir, uh. I have no idea who you are, but the man's won three major championships and 11 times on the PGA Tour. I go, he's a Hall of Famer. He's 27 years old. What do you mean he can't close? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like he's won more majors than Dustin Johnson has. What do you mean he's not a closer? I just laugh at this. I'm like, you didn't say this four years ago when he was winning everything in right. tight. But now all of a sudden, he you know, he has two fifty-four 54 54-hole leads after being – at rock bottom which his golf game, and he doesn't happen to close them out, and now he can't close? Like, I don't – I it just it blew – I just started laughing. I was like, sir, you have no idea what you're talking about. Go get your bag and go home.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I mean, and that is one of the – and I have to be careful. Like, sometimes you just get fired up because, like, if you're out there, you know a lot of the folks, right? And you yeah. pull for people. I mean, I think that's one thing people don't realize. Like, if, if uh, one of Mark's guys – wins a tournament. I mean I I am always trying to be one of the, I text man congratulations great. I think if you're out there you know how hard people work at trying to do. It. Oh. And, and and then you see, you know, and then you see these jerk offs, you know, that you know, I mean they the worst to me are the teachers that have never taught anybody. But then you get the public that, too that's just like, you know, and they're just hammering guys left and right and you know, it's like, come on, you know, you can't break 85. They don't have any clue how hard it is out there. It's so hard. It is
2: ridiculous. And I, I love I love slash hate it. I love sitting yeah. around people like when a golf tournament's on TV and just <laughs> hearing the comments, the comments. Because, like, I, you know, there was no fans allowed at Pebble Beach. So I finished up my work for Golf Channel and I went inside at the tap room with Jay Danzi, who is Jordan's agent, and his wife, yeah. Annie. And we're sitting there watching, and they have no idea who's sitting in front of them. And just the comments from the peanut gallery about yeah. Jordan Smith's golf game, what he needs to do to get back. And I'm like, you guys. Have no clue what you're talking about. Correct. To me, it's partially very, very entertaining because I just, at some point I want to turn around and be like, let me tell you what's really going on. Because yeah. here's Jordan Speeth, who, I mean, arguably works as hard as anyone. I mean, you can't give him enough credit for how he handled the bad stuff. Oh. Oh. I mean, he never said anything wrong. He never whined. He never moaned. Nothing. He handled it like a true professional. I think that's why everybody loves
1: Jordan. And yeah, I think the other now, thing, too, that's cool is he never made excuses. You know? All. And which I respect because, like, it's easy to, God, to be easy to, like, say you were hurt or, you know, you're doing whatever. But, like, man, to go through all that, to never make an excuse and to just say, hey, it's hard and I'm keeping working. I mean, a lot of respect. I mean, how could you not respect Jordan Spieth? And, I mean, you look at what happened at the 2016 Masters. I mean, he he blew
2: it. There's no doubt about it. He gave that tournament to Danny Willett. But you look at what comes back and he wins the 2017 Open Championship. Look at John Vandervelt. You know, winning a major is very, very hard. He blew a major championship. You never heard yep. of him again. So nope. that's one thing you got to give Jordan Speed credit is he bounced back. And, yeah, he's been through some tough times. But, I mean, he's still 27
1: years old. Like, he's still Lied got a huge time. future ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Paul, ahead. this has been awesome. Man, I appreciate you sitting in. Fun to do. And, and also, I mean, the golf subpar podcast, the stuff you're doing. And I know you were a great player. And enjoyed your time out. I mean, you're awesome on the media side, and so good for golf, in my opinion. Not that my opinion matters, but it's, no, it it's awesome very to watch. <laughs>
2: Tony, <Tell me, laughs> thank you so much, man. I, you know, I'm having a blast with the podcast. You know, I'm just starting to find my way into TV, and I, I'm having a blast. I, I'm so happy to be out there and still pick the brains of guys like you and all the players out there. You know, I'm I'm very very lucky to have something to do after golf, and yeah. I couldn't be happier with what's going on right
1: now. Awesome stuff. We'll keep it up, and I look forward to seeing you out there, and we'll uh, hopefully one of these times be able to coerce you into having a beer. Uh, Beers. It's plural. Beers. (laughs) Count on it. Count on it. Yeah, I would love to. Hey, buddy, and thanks for sitting in with me. You got it.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this make sure to hit subscribe apple podcast spotify wherever you are listening to this podcast you can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level make sure to subscribe and stay tuned if you want to learn more about tony head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to maybe you want to see him grab a lesson or go to one of his camps pick up his book lessons from the legends you can do that there If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced
1: by Just Hit Published Productions.
0: We go into year two of the tour coach. It wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long-time, long-withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer, and I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people, and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines, it's hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job. And they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers, and we're so proud – to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to The Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, on Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines, and keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on The Tour Coach.